The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Hey there, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed. And in part two of this file, the prolific comedy writer, author, and amateur parenting expert James Breakwell returned to rap with me about at Exploding Unicorn and his rise to viral Twitter fame, how he juggles multiple writing projects, his family and his sanity, and the writer as entrepreneur. In the early days of his writing career, James knew he wasn't going to score a book deal sending out query letters or tossing his ideas over the transom, so he decided to build an online following for his unique comedy. Finding inspiration in his family of four girls, all under the age of eight, he turned his attentions to blogging, webcomics, podcasting, and family humor on Twitter, where he eventually found viral fame. In 2016, BuzzFeed dubbed him the funniest dad on Twitter, and shortly thereafter, his audience grew in a big way. He's been featured on media outlets around the world, has attracted over a million followers on social media, has signed multiple book deals, and even writes a column for a newspaper. His second book, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child, comes out November 6, 2018, and is a book about doing as little as possible without quite ruining your kid. New York Times bestselling author Kristen Higgins said, Parents, read this book and free yourself from the blood sport that parenting has become. And bestselling author Liliana Hart wrote, Breakwell has a hit, uproariously funny and at times unexpectedly poignant. In part two of The File, James and I discussed... How the author balances his work and family life, the author's unique workflow and process, how his humor builds on real-life experiences, the difference between comedy and nonfiction, the conundrum of internet fame, and why writers have to like what they're writing to succeed over the long haul. If you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts, also now available on Spotify or wherever you tune in and in the show notes. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Do you have a home office or 
Yeah, I do. Uh, but it, it runs into some problems. So this is also where, so I have a pet pig and a pet dog and this is where we lock them during the day. Their doggy door goes in and out from, from here. So <laughs> every time I do a podcast before 9 PM, when the pig goes to bed, when the kids go to bed, she sleeps upstairs in their room. But they, at some point here, if we record long enough, you're going to hear a lot of oinking in the background as she bursts yeah. in. And it's, so, so it's, it's here and it's nice, but it's really not a total sanctuary until everyone's in bed. So before that, it's nice to be able to get up and walk around. And then when I do that too, I don't feel like I'm completely ignoring my family. I'm out there with them kind of sort of it alleviates a little bit of that dad guilt. Um, so when you're, when you're that deadline is looming closer and closer and you really have to get in and, and, um, you know, get the words down or at least, you know, do the editing piece. Um, are you locking yourself in there? Are you working mostly at night or how, how are you actually getting it done? I try to work as much as I can I, during the day with whatever else I have going on. If I could sneak away and do stuff on my phone and ignore whatever my other duties are, I try to do that. The other day I had a, a, a kid homesick with me all day. Uh, so I kind of just bounce back and forth between the two places. And then once everybody's in bed from, you know, nine to one in the morning, I hit it really hard then as well. Uh, there's really, there's really never a point I'm not writing. I guess I take, I take two nights off a week. Um, one night I hang out with my wife for kind of a date night, a, a lay married person date night where we just hang out on our coach <laughs> and drink and watch old bad movies and then another night where we we play xbox together with all my high school friends and every other night of the week though i'm working and during the day i am as well there's just there's not enough hours in the day and and the biggest surprise for me since i've done this you think well there should be enough time for making content but it's not just that it's the emails it's the administrative stuff Uh, because when you become a writer like this you really you really are running a small business Uh, i didn't as i was going through this I, i thought you know social media and websites and all that that would be a means to get to books and that any social media uh, presence I, I got or I built up on the way that was like the scaffolding you put around the building and the building is your you know your book but a, as I'm getting in here I've realized that social media is its own end like it's it's not something that's going away that I'm gonna you know start writing books and get rid of it's it's its own revenue stream it's its own platform it needs its own separate content uh, so that I, I know I've heard a lot of writers on your show and on another podcast say well I shut off the internet when I write and I can't do that because every day I have to perform I have to put out current content as well as the long-term content. Sometimes it's kind of challenging to balance that. And when I hop on the internet, it's really not procrastination. It's just another, you know, Twitter for me isn't goofing off. Well, it's some goofing off, but it's also work. So I have to be able to work that in along with, you know, the, the longer form stuff. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you're getting a lot, of, a lot of words on the phone. And then are you then editing on, on a, you know, like a Mac or a, a PC I use a PC. So I do Google Docs for everything. So it bounces yeah. really well between my phone and my computer. I, I've told some people I write a lot on my phone. They've looked at me in horror and I realize it's because they use Microsoft Word and like OneNote. And I've I found right. it's impossible to write on my phone in that program. But Google Docs works great. Uh, so I, I bounce back and forth. So right now with this current book, since I'm really in a crunch, uh, yeah, I did the first draft by by uh, phone, voice to text, second, second and third draft uh, on the computer, kind of flying through it all at once. Uh, and that's uh, the first, but the first book I did all on computer the second book I did half and half between computer and phone. So I've, I've tried everything, but now I've got a, I've got a PC with two monitors set up in my office and it seems to be working okay for me. So then in the ideation phase, when you're kind of, you know, exploring the idea of a joke or webcomic or, um, the idea for, um, something, a longer piece of content, then are you just getting, like, do you have a separate doc for just ideas like notes, blah, or are you, are you actually to the point where you're confident enough to, you know, you're like 
turning it instantly, like your thoughts instantly into into a, a tweet that goes viral. So I've uh, I, I pretty much put it down instantly, unless it's like already really late at night, and I'm pretty sure most of my followers are in bed. I've found that if I if I don't know if something's going to work, I, I, I do have a big document for ideas, but it tends not to be tweet jokes, I, joke ideas, because I found if it doesn't work right away and I put it down there, it's never going to work. There's like hmm. ten extra pages of jokes that will just never work if I if I can't if I can't solve it that quickly, it's probably bad to start with. And it's going to, you know, I, I might force it through, but it won't, it won't be my best stuff. And then with, uh, you know, with, with the book and uh, books and things, I don't do any pre-writing. I get kind of a general idea and then I, you know, just, I, I talk it out. I, I think on paper or in this mm. case, I think on a screen, I don't necessarily know what I'll say beforehand, but I kind of build that argument as I go. So there's not, there's really not a lot of pre-writing. Uh, there's no research whatsoever. I think for this most recent book, uh, the publisher specifically asked me, he's like, well, you should get some examples of bare pa- minimum parenting, do some research for that. And I, I turned that into a joke. I didn't do any research. <laughs> right. I hopped on Wikipedia for two people and I made, I made that the joke of the, I had one job and I didn't do it. But I, I think that's one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. So yeah, if I, if I had to do like serious nonfiction that required, you know, years of research and planning, I couldn't do it. I'd rather just yeah. go get a normal job. That, uh, that seems, that sounds like torture to me. Those are school reports. I like to kind of have the freedom, just write what I want and be funny. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah, um, that that type of nonfiction has just got to be so uh, time consuming in the um, the research phase, right? Yeah. The thing is, I love to read it. Actually, I, I mostly listen to audiobooks, and I love to—I I, I do love to hear nonfiction. But I, I like the final finished, polished product where you can just tell me what happens. Like I don't have any <laughs> desire to go out there myself through old dusty libraries and find all these documents. I don't want to yeah. spend two years of my life on it. I want to spend two hours listening on my headphones while I'm working on something else. For sure, for sure. I do also find nonfiction to be 
um, far easier to listen to like an audiobook yes. format than say fiction or well, especially I, I listen to it at triple speed. It makes me feel productive because you can finish a book or two a day really easily. Yeah. But it only works if one, it's a narrator you can re- easily understand. And two, they have to be words like you can relate to. Like I found that nonfiction, I don't have any problem listening to it at triple speed. But then I tried to listen to a fantasy book and I couldn't do it because, you know, they're making up place names and, and right. you know, making up you know all these crazy systems. They're world building. And since I don't know that world, I have to listen too hard and I can't catch it at triple speed. But uh, yeah, the nonfiction, you've already got a base you can catch part of the words and know what they mean so that that works perfectly for me yeah yeah it's like a t- it's like a teaching element in nonfiction. and yeah you're right the the narrator has to be pretty spot on yes. uh, otherwise they can lose you and the other piece is that i think yeah with fiction you are required to do some of that work i mean there's a obviously this suspension of disbelief but then mm-hmm you kind of have to pay more attention if you really want to get something out of the story. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's just too hard to concentrate on fiction for me. Yeah. And I found I, I need books to be a certain interest level. I need them to be, I need them to be interesting enough that they can distract me for whatever I'm doing. If I'm like doing something mindlessly administrative, but they can't be so interesting that I forget what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a fine line that there. Yeah. there was a, there was a book about the history of Nintendo the other day that I listened to and I had to turn it off. I was like, this is, I'm actually paying attention to the book and not getting anything else done. So I have to, <laughs> Please, authors out there, don't be too interesting. It's cutting down on my productivity. (laughs) Well, I'd love to dig into creativity because it seems part and parcel to kind of everything that you're doing. Can you define creativity kind of in your own uh, estimation? I think it's making something that wasn't there before, uh, making something that wasn't there before in the way you want to make it. I just the, having the freedom to do that. If, if nobody's telling you, you have to build this widget in exactly this way. And I think you can be creative in anything. You can be creative in the way you cook a meal. You can be creative in the way you draw a picture. You can be creative in the way you raise your kids. It doesn't have to be a piece of writing. Just kind of as long as, long as you get to insert yourself and your worldview into it. Uh, I think that's creativity. It seems like you, you draw so much in your work from just kind of real life stuff and that maybe that's um, what resonates with people so much but what what, when do you personally feel most creative or or kind of what is it do you have something that kind of pulls you along like a a creative muse i think it's definitely my kids they uh, they kind of are the starting point for a lot of the jokes at least the short form stuff and with what i do on the internet uh, and especially you know exploding unicorn my my twitter feed it's there's always a starting point of truth that there's some underlying reality that everybody can relate to even though the final product you know the joke the joke might be exaggerated it might be made up but it kind of runs along the lines of something that could have happened just just an example today uh, was from yesterday Uh, my daughter my four-year-old lost her first tooth, but then she actually lost it. She couldn't find it afterwards. I said, what happened to the tooth? And she said, the pig took it. Well, the pig didn't take it. The pig was locked away. But then when I went to build that joke, it's like, I really can't write about somebody lying and saying a pig stole their tooth because it's that nobody can relate to that experience. So I took the same logic and kind of broadened it out uh, with her blaming the dog for something. So that kind of thing happens a lot. People, you know, they'll come up and say, why do you make these things up? Well, nothing I do is probably all the way fiction and nothing I do is probably all the way fact. It's kind of, it walks that fine line of universal truth that all comedians kind of go for. I find it interesting because, you know, obviously when you are a parent of young people, you're surrounded by other parents and you see the looks on their faces when their children do, you know, goofy stuff or or embarrassing things. Um, But you're kind of constantly surrounded by this chaos, right? This entropy. Yes. And uh, it's hard not to find humor in that, but you do see 
that that look of so many parents that that don't seem to be finding humor in it, right? <laughs> and do do those parents at the you know at the meetings or the uh, you know these social gatherings? Do they look at you like, oh God, please don't write about my kid, or like, <laughs> you know, do you have those those people that are just like appalled by what what you're doing? Or internet fame is weird because online it seems like everybody knows who I am, and in real life nobody knows who I am. Like at my kid's school, I don't. There's not a single other parent there who knows what I do. One of their <laughs> one amazing. of their teachers figured it out, but I just like I'm just supposed to be the most generic looking guy on the planet. My picture is right there. I've had right. other people, people who I knew in college, who followed me on Facebook or on Twitter for years and didn't make the connection. Uh, didn't really look at the name or, or what I was doing. So so yeah, I don't I don't get recognized in real life a whole lot sure. at all. But I do feel I do feel the parent judgment uh, on the internet, definitely. I've, I've had to <laughs> kind of train myself uh, to ignore that. No, I think over time, I've kind of filtered away the overachieving uptight parents. I mean, they're not going to be along for this ride. So I've kind of, I've kind of collected together a large audience of misfits. So I think, I think at this point, we get each other. Love it, love it. So uh, yeah, you, you mentioned some not that you were listening to some nonfiction uh, audiobooks. Do you have a few favorites um, on your nightstand or on your Kindle or loaded to your Audible right now that you're really enjoying some other authors or, or even any other uh, humor writers you want to point at? I just went through a phase where I listened to everything that David Sedaris has ever written. He's he's hilarious. He's, I would love to be able to write like him. He's got the comedy, but there's also like a, a poignance and a sentimentality to a lot of what he does that I just lack in my writing. Maybe I'm just a bad person. So if I could, <laughs> if I could add that feeling to the humor, I would I would die a happy man. Uh, and when I do, I, I listen to fiction sometimes. I think I think Stephen King is the the best fiction writer out there. Mm. I just wish he wrote something other than horror because he he creates these relatable, realistic characters who you just love. And you're sitting there thinking, man, terrible things are going to happen to these people. I don't want terrible things to happen to these people. Uh, but yeah. I think I think everything he does is great. So I do listen to him quite a bit too. But didn't he try to write serious fiction or is that something am I, I, I think he, he, he has some there I, I haven't by any means gone through all of his books but he uh, he wrote on writing that's a it's a really good writer's guide yeah. and he also well the one that blows my mind still is he wrote uh, oh, the Shawshank Redemption which is an amazing right. movie and it's it's a really good book too and so I mean he clearly has the range to do other things he just he just loves horror and more power to him I'd I'd love to get to the point where I could just write what I love all day I think that's the dream of every author Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, uh, a couple fun ones before we wrap up with any advice you have to your to your fellow scribes. Uh, do you have a favorite literary character 
of all time? Yeah, I think Yosarian from Catch-22. I, I, I love that character. I love that book. I've read it so many times. Uh, and just the absurdity of that humor. It struck me real early. I think it was the first comedy book I ever read. And I probably hmm. reread it more times than any other book. Okay. Uh, if you could choose one author from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, who would you take where would you take them? Well, I'll go with the theme from before. We'll go with a dead author and go with Joseph Heller, who wrote Catch-22. Hmm. I know I, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure he'd be interesting and fun. I know I, I got to his book late and I, I was reading it and I thought, you know, I should read more about this guy. And I found out he had died like five years before. I was like, oh, wow, I'm really late to this. Although I will say that I love that Catch-22. I love it more than anything. But I tried to read a second one of his books and I hmm. couldn't even get through it. So huh. I thought, you know mm-hmm. what, maybe I'll just stick with it. it was idolizing this one book and I won't worry about the rest of it. But I'm, I'm I'm sure that would be a very entertaining dinner. And as for where we'd go, um, I'm in Indianapolis. So I think we go to St. Elmo's. That's kind of the premier steak place here that everybody goes to, especially if somebody else is picking up the tab. <laughs> if they're picking oh, yeah. up the tab, you got to go to the most expensive place. Yeah. Heller can pick it up. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, like, not like he's using that money for anything else right now. Like, right. Yeah, that's terrible. His, estate, his estate's just flush. Yeah, they, um, they're doing okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you collect any weird uh, writer's uh, fetishes? Do you have, have artifacts of exploding unicorns everywhere? <laughs> I don't. I'm not super sentimental. And actually, I wish I could declutter my office a little bit. I've kind of built up stuff over time. And every few months, I have to go and throw things away. I am trying. I will say this. I'm trying to get pictures up on my walls. I've got very bare walls in here. So maybe I should just start collecting pictures of things uh, rather than kind of writing in, in this prison-like cell. But so far, the prison cell has been working for me. So I, I, right. I'm hesitant to mess with success. Yeah, yeah. If it's not broken... Yeah. Uh, go with that prison vibe over there. Yeah. Um, do you uh, want to get into any advice you have for your uh, fellow writers and j- how to just keep going? I think you have to make sure that you like what you're writing. I mean, early on when I was doing non-writing jobs and things like that, I could have I could have gotten back to writing by, you know, write, doing technical writing, writing instruction manuals, writing PR, or even staying with journalism. Uh, but I just hated that. I, I don't think you can just go out and do any kind of writing just to keep the words flowing. If it's at least for what I've found, if you're going to make it as a writer to actually make you know money off the fiction or nonfiction you want to write, you're probably going to be doing it for quite a while unpaid just because it's something that you enjoy to do with your free time. So make sure at the start that you don't just like the idea of being an author or being a writer. Make sure you actually enjoy doing the writing because if you don't enjoy it at that, at that basic level when nobody's looking on and when you don't have any deadlines, uh, you're just going to be miserable. And if you're going to be miserable, there are a lot better paying jobs you can be miserable at than being an author. So definitely pursue one of those. But if you do enjoy it, uh, make the time for it because there's never going to be a point in your life where, you know, where, where ever all your other obligations are taken care of and there's no distractions. The only way you're going to have time to write is if you make the time to write. If you cut out something else and say, this is the block I'm setting aside for writing and that's what I'm going to do right now. If you don't make it a priority, it won't get done. So definitely if it's something you enjoy, uh, make that time and take that initiative. Well put, sir. Well, BuzzFeed called him the funniest dad on Twitter, James Breakwell. Thank you so much for doing this. Bare Minimum Parenting, uh, the ultimate guide to not quite ruining your child. is a blast to read. I am enjoying it very much. A book about doing as little as possible without quite ruining your child. Overachieving parents want you to believe the harder you work, the better your kid will turn out. That lie ends now. 
thanks <laughs> thanks so much for coming on here that one comes out uh or will be out november 6th and uh of course we'll point at uh that and the website uh your home base of course exploding unicorn on twitter facebook instagram where else do you want to uh, connect with readers out there in the world I do have two uh, two podcasts that nobody listens to. I've got Wrong and Wronger, where we debate kind of pointless topics like is a hot dog a sandwich, that kind of yeah. thing. And that's available on all the normal podcast platforms. And I've got another one called 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, where we take a really complicated relationship issue and try to solve it in 10 minutes or less. I partner up with a psychologist on that. So so yeah, if you love, bo- uh, love podcasts, by all means, check those out and uh, let me disappoint you on another platform. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We will link, I will link to both of those. And I wanted to ask you how you even carve out the time to do those. And it looks like you, you do those with Steve. St- Steve Olivas. Yeah, I actually met him through Twitter. Twitter is a great way to meet people to collaborate with. And, and he actually just had me on his podcast for an interview. He had another podcast going and we hit it off so well that uh, I, I said, hey, why don't we do a podcast together? And then we did a second podcast together. So yeah, we just, uh, when after the kids go to bed one night a week we we sit down and we we fire up our computers and and, and bang out a couple episodes and uh, and so far it's it's been going well i mean it, it's another one of those things where are we getting rich off podcasting absolutely not but we have fun we make ourselves laugh and we make a couple other people laugh too so so that's what keeps us going yeah man well kudos uh congratulations on the latest and all of your successes obviously you seem to be the hardest working man on the internet currently <laughs> i hope you get a break soon <laughs> Me too. I hope we break well. <laughs> break well. Um, and please come back and uh, wrap with us again some other time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.